Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. This episode of the Karma You podcast is sponsored by Wild Nutrition. Wild Nutrition are the experts in women's nutritional health, providing naturally sourced, food-grown supplements formulated by women for women and backed by over 50 scientific studies. Now, I've been a paying customer of Wild Nutrition for the past couple of years. I went to see a nutritional therapist prior to getting pregnant, and she suggested that I take the Wild Nutrition food-grown pregnancy and new mother support as my daily multi, which I took through my whole pregnancy and I'm actually continuing to take now as I breastfeed my baby. And I'm sure it's contributed to me having an amazing pregnancy and breastfeeding journey. As experts in women's nutritional health, Wild Nutrition offer a great 60-second quiz or a 15-minute free consultation with their trained nutritional therapists over Zoom or phone call for any woman seeking guidance on what to take and how to improve her health. And you can use my code KARMAU for £10 off your first order on wildnutrition.com. That's KARMAU, C-A-L-M-E-R-Y-O-U, all in capitals, all one word, for £10 off over on wildnutrition.com. Hello, hello. Hope you're doing well today. So today on the podcast, I am doing an episode that has been a long time coming. My baby just turned one a couple of weeks ago, and I did speak about this Quite soon after he was born, I did like a long, uh, several image, several page Instagram post all about this. But I wanted to do a podcast to talk about hypnobirthing and my positive birth experience. And so I'm going to share a little bit about the things that I did to prepare for birth and my own experience and a bit about hypnobirthing. Just note that I am not a hypnobirthing practitioner. It is actually not very related to hypnotherapy, despite the name, but I will share a little bit more about that. And I did want to say a disclaimer before we get into this topic, that birth is such a complex area. It's a massive topic to talk about. And I'm going to be sharing my own experience, which is obviously a very narrow extremely narrow range of what can happen in birth and what is possible. And I really wanted to make this disclaimer that I'm talking about this experience as someone that was lucky to have had a positive experience in birth. However, anything can happen in birth. And we are so fortunate that we have modern medicine that can help us when things are not going as we would want them to go. And I really want to acknowledge that a lot of my experience was down to luck. Yes, there were lots of things I did to prepare that I will share with you in this episode. However, and I was talking to my doula actually a few weeks ago about this. There were so many times during my birth where it could have gone down a very different path. And it was to do with luck. It was to do with preparation. It was to do with privilege that I was able to afford a doula. So many things come into it. So I really don't want this to make anyone feel bad if your birth didn't go to plan in air quotes it is not your fault you do not have control over something like birth birth is mother nature and you know it's in the hands of the universe it's actually it's not something that we can completely control and I don't agree 
I know that there are some people talking about birth, how they manifested a perfect birth and all these things. I just, I'm not convinced that we can really control things. So please don't beat yourself up, no matter what experience you had. I feel very, very compelled to share this, even though I have to say this is uncomfortable for me to talk about because it feels like oversharing and I don't want to make people feel bad if they didn't have the birth that they wanted. But I feel very drawn to sharing this because I found it so useful to read positive stories about birth when I was preparing to give birth. I read hundreds, I think, maybe not hundreds, maybe dozens and dozens of positive birth experiences. And it gave me a lot of confidence. It meant that I could go into my own birth feeling relatively calm, feeling empowered, feeling confident. And there is so much in the media, you know, if you ever watch, you know, I always remember that episode in Friends where Rachel's giving birth and she's screaming and straining and all that sort of thing. All these messages that we get about birth, we hear you know, traumatic stories from people that we know, you know, all these things can give us a certain perception about birth and it can make you feel more afraid. It can make you feel as though you can't trust your body, all those sorts of things. So I I wanted to share this as a way to try to counteract some of that and add to the positive birth stories that exist out there that helps me a lot. And I hope this will help you if you're, thinking about giving birth one day, if you're pregnant, if you maybe had a challenging birth experience in the past and you'd like to have a baby again, perhaps this can help you to feel a bit more confident, a bit more empowered and show you what is possible and how working on our mindset and working on the preparation piece can support us. Another reason that I wanted to I guess the reason that I wanted to look into hypnobirthing myself and, and look at the mindset, not only do I do this, obviously, as my job, I help people with their mindset, help them to feel more confident and more calm in situations. And for me, this was an amazing opportunity for me personally to use those own tools on myself and to get to have a very specific situation to use everything that I get to support other people with and actually use it on, in my own life. So that was one reason I wanted to learn about hypnobirthing and I wanted to learn about the mindset and how to prepare for birth in that way. Another thing is that is that my own birth when I was born was a challenging one for my mum. I was breech and the the story of my birth is something that was, you know, my mum still talks about it, you know, every year on my birthday and the fact that it was challenging and it was difficult. And for me, you know, a lot of the things in my life is about, you know, how can I try to change those intergenerational stories, change the things that, you know, the things that my mum had to deal with growing up, she didn't want me to have to deal with, you know, as a child. And the things that I deal, dealt with growing up, I don't want my son to deal with. And, you know, doing the best that I could to bring him into the world in a positive way is a way that I'm hoping to, you know, make the world better for my lineage and my next generation. I think all of us as parents have that sense that we want to make things better for our children than, than we had. So that was a big part of it <clears throat> as well. So just to say a little bit about hypnobirthing. So hypnobirthing, it may incorporate aspects of hypnotherapy, but it is not hypnotherapy. It actually is a 
term that describes a lot of different techniques from breathing exercises, from relaxation, visualization, mindful techniques, ways to help you to concentrate on your body, ways to learn to trust your body. And as as a whole um, field, and one part of that might be using hypnotherapy recordings or hypnotherapy with a therapist to help you to feel more calm and confident and positive about birth. But it is not just hypnotherapy for the birth. It's a whole separate thing. It's a whole area. And I remember walking into the first hypnobirthing class. I went to these kind of evening classes in Southport with my doula, with the person that ended up being my doula, Jenny, from Empowered Bumps. You can find her on Instagram at Empowered Bumps. And I walked into there and I was absolutely sure that I was going to have an epidural for birth. And I remember saying to Jenny, I am quite a sensitive person. I am not good with pain at all. I always have to ask, if I'm I'm getting a massage, I always have to ask them to go easy on my calves because I just can't deal with (laughs) the kind of intense feeling of having my calves massage. It feels too intense. And I remember her saying to me that she's also someone that is quite sensitive to pain that she even doesn't like you know the hair hairdresser brushing her hair because she's quite uh, sensitive to pain and that kind of struck a chord with me and yet Jenny said she'd given birth to two children without pain medication in the water and that just started to open my mind to this possibility that maybe uh, a kind of a birth in the water could be something that would be possible for me. Now, that's not to say that there's anything wrong with having an epidural if that's what you want to do and if that's what you need in the moment. I certainly have absolutely no judgment for that. And I was pretty sure that I was going to go down that path. But there are some reasons why you might not want an epidural. So, you know, obviously do your own research about this. But things that I've researched are, you know, if you have an epidural, you've got an increased risk of other interventions Some women find pushing more difficult with an epidural. So you might be more likely to need a C-section. You might need other interventions like forceps or medication. It could increase your risk of tears, that sort of thing. So it's not just about being kind of anti-medication. I think medication and modern medicine is an amazing thing. And I'm so grateful that we have it. But there are reasons why you may want to you know, if it's possible for you, and if it's um, something that is available to you, there may be a reason why you would want to avoid an epidural. And so it was that first meeting with Jenny, and being introduced to hypnobirthing that I started to think, actually, you know what, maybe, maybe there is another possibility for me. But I did want to say that, that I'm not someone that considers themselves good at managing pain. (laughs) I just wanted to say that first of all. So one of the things that I did to prepare for birth, and this is something that comes from hypnobirthing, is I listened to positive affirmations. And I've used positive affirmations for years for things like public speaking, when I had a lot of anxiety around that. I used it for confidence. I've used it for, you know, my own anxiety. And I'd I'd found them really helpful. And so I knew that that was something that I wanted to incorporate when I was preparing for birth. Now there are tons that you can just find on YouTube, to be honest, for free. I got some from my doula from Jenny. If you're working with, you know, a hypnobirthing practitioner, you may 
get some affirmations from them. I was also gifted some hypnotherapy sessions and affirmations from uh, the Calm Birth School. If you want to give um, them a follow on Instagram, they sent me some recordings to listen to. And these positive affirmations are just about starting to create the habit of thinking about birth in a positive way and thinking about the way that you're speaking to yourself in your own head. This is what affirmations can do. They are training us to change our self-talk about something. So I'm trying to remember some of the affirmations that I said. Um, Things like, you know, I trust my body. And things like, every surge brings me closer to my baby, that sort of thing. So they're just getting you to think about birth in a positive way, getting you to trust yourself, trust your abilities and trust your body. And so much of birth, not all of course, but a lot of birth is a mental game. In fact, you could say this about anything in life. (laughs) Anything in life, so much of it is a mental game. If we go into something feeling confident and positive, then our chances of having a, a confident and positive experience are increased versus going into something feeling scared and negative. I mean, if you think about it like that, it just makes complete sense. And the same goes for things like public speaking and confidence and all those sorts of things that we might want to use affirmations for. Another thing that I did was I did a fair amount of pregnancy yoga from the third trimester. I was doing a lot of stretching of the legs, the hips, the back. I got quite a lot of hip pain during pregnancy. During like the second and third trimester, I had quite a lot of hip pain. So In the third trimester, I was doing about 30 minutes of yoga a day, and I was lucky to have the time to do that. I'm not sure if I were to have another baby, if I would have 30 minutes a day to do yoga. But at that time, I really wanted to make it a priority and make time for it. And when I looked into it, there was some evidence that doing things like hip opening exercises and general stretching, that can increase your chances of having a natural birth, if that's what you want to do, because you are opening up the ligaments, you're opening up the body, allowing the baby to come out more easily, apparently. I also did something called spinning babies. I was a breech baby, and even though the chances of having a breech baby are quite small, I was a a little bit paranoid about having a breech baby. And so I I think I downloaded a, a course from spinning babies, I think it was quite inexpensive, maybe 15 pounds or something. And it was various yoga moves for helping your baby to be in a good position for birth. And he was never breached or anything like that. But I did a lot of these stretches and things anyway, just in preparation. Another thing that I did from, I think, about 37 weeks, but please Google this just to double check. From about 37 weeks, there is some evidence that eating dates every day helps you to um, have a faster labor. and. It's got something to do with prostaglandins. Please do your own research on that because I don't fully understand, but there is some evidence for eating dates. So I was getting these big, juicy medjool dates. I actually put them in the freezer because it was summer and I really like a frozen date. It's like a sweet frozen treat. And I was eating those every day for several weeks before giving birth. Who knows if it helped me, but there is some scientific evidence to say that. So it might be worth a try if you want to, if you like dates. Also read a couple of books about hypnobirthing and I did a day-long hypnobirthing course with Jenny from Empowered Bumps. 
you may want to check out her course or you may want to see what things are happening locally. The two books that I read are the Positive Birth Company book and also the Calm Birth School book, which both are amazing books about helping you to feel, again, positive about birth, calm about birth. And they are very non-judgmental. They are not books that are saying don't have an epidural or anything like that. It's all about doing what's right for you and finding your own path and preparing for birth, whatever path your birth takes, because there's every chance, I think there's something like a 30% chance that you might need a C-section. So it talks about that. And even if you're having an elected C-section or you know you want to have an epidural, you can still use hypnobirthing techniques. You can still use the breathing and the, the different mindset techniques that are helping you. So it's certainly not just for those people that, that want to have a kind of, I don't know, like a natural birth in quotes. All birth is natural, but, um, you know, a drug-free birth or anything like that. I did a lot of breathing exercises, found those very, very useful during the actual birth. And it's really important, and they talk a lot about this in, in hypnobirthing, to practice the breathing exercises ahead of time so that when you're in the moment, when you're in that intense moment of giving birth, that you remember those breathing exercises and you can really drop in and tune into those and get the benefits from them. And for me, they just help to helped to keep me in the present moment they gave me something to focus on as like a distraction in those intense surges and I just found them really helpful I also used visualization and this is again one of the tools I always use with my clients so whether I'm working with a client on you know a public speaking scenario whether I'm working with somebody um you know to help them to feel more confident in a networking situation I use visual visualization because when we visualize something, your brain doesn't know the difference between something that you're vividly imagining and the real thing. And we can literally prepare for scenarios in the future by visualizing them in advance and imagining how we want to cope in different scenarios, how we want to be thinking and feeling and behaving. And this can be used for birth as well. So I use the Calm Birth School Visualization MP3 and... I listened to that many, many times in the weeks leading up to birth. And I would imagine the sort of birth that I wanted, which was giving birth in a pool and, you know, breathing my baby out and all that sort of thing. And so I found that hugely, hugely helpful. Another thing that I listened to was also Jessie Ware's pregnancy podcast, which I loved. And that gives lots of information about every aspect of pregnancy and birth. And they talk about hypnobirthing, I think, in one of the episodes and that's nothing to do with necessarily hypnobirthing, but just as another tip of a thing that I found really useful during pregnancy. So those are the sorts of things that I did to prepare. I'm going to share my birth story now with you. It is the thing that I posted to Instagram. And again, it's just a, an example of a real birth. And I'm sharing quite a few of the details of the things that happened, the ups and downs. It was a 31 hour labour. So that's a fairly long amount of time, but that was not 31 hours of, of a lot of intensity. It started off very slowly and then things kind of ramped up more towards the end. So I'm going to share this with you. If this is too much of like an overshare for you, then just simply do not listen. <laughs> um, but for those of you who are curious, I'm going to share it. So 
it was about 2 p.m. on the Wednesday. Um, I think it was the 14th of September 2022. And I was 40 weeks and six days pregnant. So six days overdue in, in air quotes. And I went for a walk up this hill near where I live. And I was chatting to my friend Vicky, who's a doctor. And we were chatting about, you know, various things to do, to do with birth. And, you know, she was she was amazing, actually, you know, leading up to giving birth, giving me loads of advice and those reminders that it's okay to have, you know, the the medication, that's okay to have an epidural if you need it and don't judge yourself and all that sort of thing. I just really appreciated that because I really didn't want to put pressure on myself to, you know, not have the drugs if I needed it sort of thing. So I was talking to my friend Vicky and then it was on my way down the hill as I walked down the hill back home that I started to feel some little twinges and I started to feel some kind of lower back ache, a little bit of cramping and things starting. Now, Aidan, my partner, had said to me, try not to go into labour before 4pm on Wednesday because he had a work webinar thing that he was running and it would have been a little bit inconvenient for him to have to reschedule that. So I found it very interesting that by the time it was about four o'clock and he'd finished his webinar, that things were, were starting to kind of get going and starting to progress. And that is really interesting, isn't it? How, you know, it shows you the power of the mind, doesn't it? That I knew after that point that it would be safe to kind of go into labor. And that's when my body started to do it. I found that fascinating. So I knew that this was, you know, things were starting to happen. And so I had this big birth ball that I'd blown up and I started bouncing on the birth ball. I diffused some clary sage, which is a an essential oil, which there is some evidence to say that it can help you to, to go into labor more quickly. And in fact, it's not recommended for anyone who's pregnant who doesn't want to go into labor because it could induce labor. So you need to be careful with clary sage. But if it's that moment where you're ready to for things to, to start to progress and start to happen, then clary sage could be helpful. And that's something that I was using. And I also did some yoga stretches. I'm kind of stretching out my hips, limbering up for the the marathon of birth. <laughs> and I did things like I, I showered, I washed my hair, I packed the last bits of my hospital bag, and I actually baked, I actually baked some lactation cookies. This is when Aidan was still on his work call. And I used a recipe from Shakira Akabusi's book, Strong Like Mum. And these lactation cookies had, I think, something called brewer's yeast in, which is apparently good for helping the lactation process so I did a bit of baking and actually Aiden ended up eating most of the, the lactation cookies I think I only ate one of them in the end but anyway they were quite delicious so it got to about 7 p.m and the contractions or the surges in, in hypnobirthing often people call them surges because it's a bit more of a positive term the surges of energy that are helping to open up the cervix and eventually push the baby out, they started to, to kind of ramp up a bit. And so me and Aidan decided to watch some comedy on Netflix. I can't remember exactly what we watched, but some kind of comedy. And apparently watching things that are funny, you know, looking at photos of happy times, having lots of cuddles, these sorts of things are all helping to produce oxytocin, which is the cuddle hormone or the love hormone and it's oxytocin 
that is helping those contractions to happen and helping your baby to be born. So when we're in labor, we really want to be trying to get that oxytocin flowing. So anything like comedy, cuddles, kisses, sexy time, if you're into that. I definitely was not thinking about that at the time, but um, comedy on Netflix was perfect. And by about nine o'clock, things didn't really seem to be progressing in terms of the, the kind of the surges were happening, but they weren't becoming more intense. So I remember we, we rang Aiden's sister and we're chatting to her and she said, you know, you may as well just, you know, go to bed because try and get some sleep because it could be a long process. I knew that sometimes people are in this slow labor for days and you might want to just get some rest. And so we made the decision to go to bed and try to get some sleep and just see what happened. And I'd strapped on the TENS machine you have to Google a TENS machine if you don't know what that is. Yeah, but a TENS machine basically creates little electrical impulses, which perhaps produces more endorphins and helps to reduce pain. I don't know whether it worked. It's really hard to say. It was kind of, I had it strapped on for quite a while, probably all night and half of the next day. But I'm not sure how, how much it helped, really. Um, I don't know if I would use it in the future. Maybe it was, it provided a bit of a, a distraction because it makes a kind of a tingling sensation but you may want to look into a tens machine it's a very common thing that people use in birth now this was a very long night uh, Aidan was peacefully sleeping in his bed we, we were actually have separate bedrooms because well because I was getting up to pee five times a night in the last trimester of pregnancy and waking him up so we had separate bedrooms and it was a long night where I was kind of basically on my own having these surges every seven to 20 minutes, which is not frequent enough to go to hospital, but also not really less frequent enough to really get some sleep. And sometimes I would remain in bed and breathe through these surges and kind of wriggle around a bit as the surges are happening. And other times I would get out of bed and bend over the bed and kind of rock forwards and backwards whilst breathing deeply. Now, this was an intense night. It was hard work, but it wasn't wasn't scary. It wasn't like sad. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a negative time, but it was kind of an intense night. It kind of reminded me of like, you know, when you've got a horrible summit bug and you're getting up, needing to go to the loo or like going up, going to be sick or something in the night. It was a bit like that for me. And I did probably go to the loo about 40 times in the night <laughs> during this <laughs> night of labor. Um, so that was interesting. Anyway, I think I did probably get about an hour's sleep between like three and four in the morning. And so that was a nice, a nice little bit of rest. But other than that, I was literally up every probably 20 minutes. Now in the morning, probably got up about six or so. In the morning, things were kind of the same. I was still getting these surges probably about every 20 minutes and they were quite moderate. They weren't particularly intense. And we went for a walk. There's a woods near where we live and we went through for a walk in the woods and exercise and walking is another one of those things that can help to progress labor and kind of bring on the surges more powerfully and by the time we'd come back from the woods I remember leaning against someone's garden fence <laughs> in this kind of walkway back from the woods and just having to really breathe and focus on my breath and wait for the surge to to pass and a woman walked past and she <laughs> she knew what was happening. She was like, go on, girl, you can do it. Um, so 
we went home after that and I started to use the Freya app, which is an app made by the founder of the Positive Birth Company. And the Freya app basically is a timer that helps you to time the surges and you need the surges to be less than three minutes apart. And then that shows you that active labor is established and it's time to go to hospital if you're going to hospital or maybe it's time to call the midwife if you're having a home birth. And I decided to, to you know, in advance, I wanted to give birth in the birthing suite. Is it the birth suite? The midwife led unit. Sorry, that's the right term. Um, and that was part of my birth plan. And so at this point, Jenny, the doula arrived and we made our way to the hospital. And um, I remember in the car to the hospital that things again slowed down quite a bit and I was actually quite relieved for that because I'd heard people say that sometimes the trip to the hospital can be quite intense if you're in very established labour but things really slowed down we were singing songs in the car it was quite a relaxed journey it took about half an hour to get to the hospital and you know things had slowed down and by the time we got to the hospital again things were kind of slow <laughs> So we got kind of checked in and they wanted to check me over. And, and that's when we had our first scenario whereby I was very grateful for the research and understanding that I had about birth and also for the fact that we had a doula with us to help us because I had had some scans at different hospitals and there was some discrepancy between the scans and the baby's size. And so the doctor was a bit concerned about this and wanted to induce me. And yeah, and so we had this kind of hour-long, quite intense conversation, the doctor, Aidan and I, and Jenny, about the pros and cons of doing this, why the doctor thought it was a good idea to induce me, all these sorts of things. And to me, it didn't make sense to induce me. I knew I was in labor already. The doctor wasn't sure if I was in labor. She was kind of questioning that, but obviously those surges were very close together while I was at home and they'd only slowed down because we kind of got in the car and gone to the hospital. And uh, that's a common thing that will happen once you're out of your kind of safe space. Sometimes the, the labor can slow down. And so after lots of having these discussions, we decided, we agreed that we would wait for about four hours and just see what happened to see if labor progressed. And I was not keen on being induced because when you have an induction, your chances of having interventions is increased. There's a chance that it could be more of an intense experience because you're having a artificial hormone contract your muscles and uh, put you into labor and so I knew that that was something that I didn't want to do obviously I would have done it if it had been really medically necessary but I, I I kind of knew the fact that there was a discrepancy with the scans I kind of knew that that, that wasn't really a problem that this doctor had never seen you know didn't really know my history and were kind of making a a judgment based on probably the protocols and and I knew actually it was just the fact that two different people had done my measurements, basically. Anyway, that's going into too much detail. But suffice to say, it was an intense experience. And it really showed me that understanding yourself, understanding 
you know, birth, learning about the pros and cons of doing different things, the risks and benefits. A lot of hypnobirthing talks about using your brain. So that's an acronym for benefits, risks, um, alternatives, intuition, and do nothing, nothing. So finding out about what are the benefits of having an induction, what are the risks, you know, what happens if we just do nothing? So we chose to do nothing and just wait for four hours and see what happened. What does my intuition say? What are the um, alternatives? So using your brain can help you to make decisions in birth. And it really showed me how, and I'm not saying this to disrespect doctors in any way, but doctors have a certain way of doing things whereby they're, they're trying to keep you safe and they're trying to keep the baby safe. And there is a tendency for birth to be over-medicalized. I think a lot of people, even doctors would probably agree that that is the case. And so understanding and being able to have these conversations and understanding the risks and benefits is really important. If you know that you'd like to avoid having a medicalized birth and sort of being prepared for having those sorts of conversations and I feel very fortunate that I had a doula because I don't know how it would have gone if she hadn't been there. I think I probably would have still said no to the induction, but it was very useful to have someone there. And so if you don't have a doula, I'm obviously very fortunate to have been able to uh, pay for a doula, you know, making sure that your partner or your birth partner is clued up on these things as well. So getting them to learn about hypnobirthing, getting them to learn about you know, have the possibility of maybe having these sorts of conversations during birth. So we <laughs> we waited for four hours. They did a they did an examination of my cervix, and I was two centimeters dilated, which is not enough to go into the birth pool. They need they need it to be four centimeters dilated before you're allowed. You're considered in active labor, and you're allowed to go into the birthing um, center. So we spent four hours um, trying to get that oxytocin flowing, trying to get things happening a bit more quickly. And I was walking up and down the hospital corridors. <laughs> I was walking up and down the steps. I was stretching my hips. I was, you know, Jenny gave me a massage at one point. We got put into a little room and Jenny had these little LED lights and we had some essential oils. We had the calming music going and all of these things are designed to help to relax the body and send a message to the body that it's safe to give birth and help the birth to happen more quickly and smoothly. And very, very funny moment was Aidan went off to the hospital canteen. And for some reason, I don't know, maybe they didn't have a lot of vegetarian options, but got some questionable snacks he got some samosas and onion bhajis as a snack, which absolutely stank out the, the room, the whole hospital probably, with the smell of like onion. But basically, it was nice to have a snack at that time to keep my energy up. And maybe not the best snack to have during birth. But anyway, that's what we had. And then thankfully, by the time it was about 7.30 at night, things were feeling more intense and I asked to be examined again and I was at four centimetres and I was completely elated and excited <laughs> to go and get into the birth pool. I was very excited to try the gas and air and so we got taken into this lovely room that had beautiful soft lighting, it had this big pool and 
we had my music playing, we had the essential oils, we had all of that and it was lovely. And things were, I have to say, pretty intense at that moment. And I really had to use the gas and air and the breathing techniques to help myself through those surges. And and yet, you know, there's a one of the affirmations that I found really helpful in hypnobirthing is, you know, surges last for one minute and I can do anything for one minute. So these contractions or surges only last for a minute and then you get like a four minute break where you feel basically nothing, you feel completely normal. And then the surge starts again after that four minutes. And it's remembering that we can cope with four minutes of a very intense experience. Um, yeah, and so the breathing and the gas and air were really helping me. Now, around this time, the, the midwife wanted to measure the, the heart beat of the baby. And so they wanted to do something called continuous monitoring, where they kind of strap these two kind of sensors onto your belly. And I was in the pool, these sensors were slipping and sliding around everywhere. And she couldn't properly measure the heartbeat of the baby um, because these things kept slipping around. And so she asked me to get out of the pool. And again, <laughs> load of doctors. It felt like several doctors. It felt like three people came into the room at that point, doctors. And they said that they wanted to put a, a sensor on the baby's head to measure the baby's heart rate in a continuous way. And the reason they wanted to do this was, again, going back to the this, this scan discrepancy. They wondered if there was some kind of problem with the baby. I knew there wasn't <laughs> because I think they were just confused about the scans and I'd never had any problems. I'd had loads of scans and everything. It might have been because of my age. I was 36 at the time. It might have been for various reasons. But putting this monitor on the baby's head would have involved breaking my waters and they kind of like screw something into the baby's skin, basically, um, which I would have been happy to do, but I, I didn't, it wasn't really necessary. And we had this discussion about, was it really necessary? Was there another option? And I remember being in full labor, very intense sensations of cramping and surging. And I was like naked on all fours. <laughs> mooing like a cow, trying to have this conversation with these doctors and midwives. And thankfully, Aidan and Jenny were kind of helping me there. But I really didn't want to have my waters broken. I wanted to get back into the pool and you can't get back into the pool if the waters have been broken or if there's a this monitor had been put on. So we decided again that the midwife would intermittently measure the heartbeat of the baby using a Doppler in the water. And so... I was thankful to be able to get back into the pool. She was measuring the heartbeat every 15 minutes or so. And that was just, again, another moment of, you know, being able to have those conversations about what it is that you want, being able to kind of stick to your guns about what you want, being able to find out the facts, find out the, the risks and benefits, find out what the alternatives are. And, you know, in an intense moment, having those conversations, which is a lot easier if you've done your research and preparation beforehand. And this was another moment where, you know, I was discussing with the, with the doula afterwards, things could have taken a different path. You know, maybe I would have had my waters broken, had the monitor on. That could have changed things. I could have ended up having a cesarean, for example. 
I did remember at one point thinking to myself, why didn't you go for a cesarean? Why didn't I go for a cesarean? This is hard. This is hard work. Um, and I remember saying to Jenny and Aidan, this is hard. You know, I'm finding this, I'm finding this very challenging. And I remember Jenny saying to me, you can do hard things. You can do hard things. And I loved that reminder, that reminder that we can do hard things, that our ancestors have all been through this experience. And literally every single one of your female ancestors has given birth. And we are built to be able to do this. Our bodies are capable of doing this. And, you know, I did I did know in that moment that I could do this. I did know that I could do this. And it was a lovely reminder to hear her say that. So I really liked being in the water. It was great to feel like my body was supported. I can get into the right position. I could get comfortable. I had a towel resting on the side of the pool and I was resting my head on the side of the pool and really resting and relaxing in between those surges. And I was kind of rocking back and forth, using the gas and air, focusing on my breathing. And I was fascinated to just notice that my body was just doing it. I wasn't pushing. I think when you see birth on TV, there's a lot of kind of pushing and straining and swearing and shouting. And of course, birth can look like that. But I was noticing in this experience that my body was doing the pushing. I didn't have to physically kind of push and strain. My body was just doing it. And I could feel this incredible feeling of like the baby moving down. Really, really interesting feeling, obviously very intense, but I was just so in the moment, focusing on my breathing, you know, so in the moment that there's almost a sense that there's no going back. You can't really, there's no going back once you can feel like this sensation that you're almost like laying an egg, (laughs) like laying an egg, you feel his hard head kind of starting to move down and my body was just doing it. And that was absolutely fascinating to witness. And so I felt, you know, actually very calm between each surge. I was, you know, chilling out on the side of the pool, occasionally glaring at Aiden, who seemed to be constantly on his phone, which was kind of annoying, or complaining about how tired he was. I was like, oh my God, shut up. Um, but that being said, he was actually amazing and supportive most of the time, apart from the times that he was on his phone. I think it was actually just like voice noting my family and giving them kind of regular updates on what was happening. And, you know, it was an intense experience, but I didn't feel scared and I knew that I could do it. I had this sense of knowing that I could do it. I think reading those positive birth stories, visualizing the affirmations, all those things helped me just to to trust my body and to know that I could do this. And I was fully expecting to be begging for an epidural, but I actually never felt that I needed one. And you know, there's so many different factors that can come into that. I'm certainly not special or like extra good at dealing with pain. But, you know, it might have been the size of the baby, the size of my body, so many things can come into that. But I didn't feel like I needed any more pain relief. I felt I knew that I could handle it with the with the gas and air, the water, and all the other things that I had in place. And Jenny the doula was amazing. She was fanning me with a, a fan that was infused with peppermint oil. She was pouring warm water on my back. She was giving me sips of coconut water. And she was just absolutely amazing. I was so, so lucky to have her there. And then finally, this is about probably like, what time was it? Eight minutes past 11 at night. 
I felt the baby's head starting to come down and then his head came out and his body came out all at once. And it was like a big whooshing feeling, this feeling of just like <laughs> whoosh, suddenly he was out. And he came out very quickly at the end. And that was actually quite a shock. And actually it was when he was born, it was only at this point where I actually did start to feel a little bit unnerved or sort of unsettled. I'd actually been very, very calm up until the point he was actually born. <laughs> um, and he came out in his amniotic sac, which is apparently a very rare thing. The sac only burst when he was out. It's called being on-call or on-call in the sac. Apparently it's very auspicious in certain countries for the babies born like that. So when he was born, it was a little bit of a, of a shock. And I remember the midwife saying, you know, between your legs, you know, pick up your baby, reach down and pick up your baby. And I pulled him out of the water and put him onto my chest. And yeah, it was a moment I visualized a lot. It was a moment I'd seen in so many birth, birth videos and birth stories. One account that I really watched a lot of videos on is badass mother birther, who is just sharing basically birth videos all day, every day. And so if you've never seen birth video definitely check out that page it's very raw and real and yeah so he was here the the midwife said you know that was one of the calmest births she'd ever seen which was a, quite cool to hear and and yet after he was born I didn't feel that calm I had a lot of adrenaline in my body and this is a very common thing apparently my legs were shaking a lot when I was lying on the bed afterwards my legs were kind of shaking uncontrollably I think that's to do with the adrenaline because your body's just been through this huge thing. And I was in the pool. I was kind of slippering around a bit, trying to hold on to this slippery baby, you know, kind of wanted to get out. It was all a bit strange and new. And I'd never held like a newborn baby before, like maybe a, a few times holding my friend's newborn babies. But, you know, it's quite a thing to learn how to hold a baby. And I could feel like the placenta was coming. So there were more contractions happening, more surges happening. And so it was a little bit more intense, not more intense, but it was an intense time when he was just born. And yeah, I asked Aiden, I had him skin on skin for a little while, but then I asked Aiden to take him and hold him skin on skin while I birthed the placenta. And Jenny fed me Lucasaid. I think it's good to have some sugar when you're kind of in that adrenalized state. Anyway, it did. It took me a couple of hours to kind of calm down after that and kind of feel a bit more it was all a bit of a shock, I think. Having a baby, it's a new experience. It was, it was, yeah. It took me a couple of hours to kind of ground myself, but after that I was fine. And of course, you know, having a baby is just this amazing, intense whirlwind of love and tears and awe and eating chocolate for breakfast. And we were watching Below Deck at four in the morning to stay awake because he did not want to be put down for the first few weeks. He just wanted to be held the whole time. But that's for another another story. And yeah, basically that's my positive birth story. I know that the preparation that I did, the mindset stuff that I did was massively helpful. I also had a good amount of luck and privilege involved. Um, but I hope that this has been useful interesting maybe it inspires you to know that you can you know use some of these tools to help yourself to give yourself a, a, a better chance of having a positive experience if you're giving birth so 
that's it. This has gone much longer than I was expecting. (laughs) Hopefully it's not gone on and on too long. Let me know if you've listened to this episode. Come and find me on Instagram. Send me a DM at Chloe Brotheridge. And if you're pregnant or going to give birth soon, I'm just wishing you loads of luck and loads of love for this experience. And I hope things go to your plan. And if not, please be kind to yourself and get all the support that you can. And yeah, I'm going to leave it there. Send you lots of love and I'll I'll speak to you soon. You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Brotheridge. Don't forget you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, karmayou.com. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one sessions. Please do subscribe to this podcast in the Apple Podcast app. And if you have enjoyed it or found it helpful, please leave me a review. It makes a massive difference to helping the podcast get discovered by other people. And come on over and find me on Instagram. I'm hanging out there every day. You can find me at Chloe Brotheridge. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And please do share it with anyone who might need to hear this today. So I'm sending you loads of love and I hope you have a brilliant week ahead.